If you would turn with me to Romans 1.16, this is why I'm standing up here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not afraid to use it. I am not timid. I am not ashamed of it. For it is the power of God. What is the power of God? It is the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? If you will look in your Bibles, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, 3 and 4 has the definition. The gospel is that Jesus died according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he raised again the third day according to the scriptures. What about that gospel? That's where the power of God is. That's where the power of God is. Anytime you have seen a miracle with your eyes or heard of a miracle, you know what did it? The power of God. And you know where it came from? It came from the gospel. That's why we're looking at the gospel. That's why I preach it. Who wants a religion that does nothing for you? Who wants a God that cannot help you when you need it? So what did God do? He sent his son who died, was buried, and rose again so that we could partake of the power of God. So we are looking today, the last couple of months, I have been talking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I talked about Jesus in the garden. I talked about Jesus on the cross. I spoke about Jesus going to hell and what happened to his body in the tomb. Last couple weeks, I talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I have another question for you today. What came out of that tomb? What came out of that tomb? That's what we're going to look at. But first, we're going to begin in Philippians 2. We're going to remind ourselves of what I talked about that first day, about Jesus in the garden. And if you haven't listened to it, please go to my website, kdwol.com. And look at these videos. Go back through over and over again about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and let it minister to you. Now, we're going to remind ourselves what went into the tomb. First five of Philippians 2, what went to the cross? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus, with his Father, before he came to earth, was God, was with God. But look at what Jesus did. But made himself of no reputation. If you look that up, that word means he emptied himself. He emptied himself of all his godly ability. Jesus emptied himself. And what did he do? He took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Jesus became a man. Isaiah 52 verse 13. Behold my servant. Behold my servant. Jesus became a man. Why? Because you can't kill God. And somebody had to die. Somebody had to die for our sins. And you can't kill God. So what did Jesus have to do? He had to become a man like us. Let's go to Hebrews 2. Verse 14, what went to the cross? This is Jesus. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. And if you're not sure of that, pinch yourself on the arm. You are a partaker. You have flesh and blood. So he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death 
that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death are all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took on not him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. He took on him the seed of Abraham. Jesus became a man like you and like me. And it says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. It behooved him. He thought it necessary to be made like us, to be made like us, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he is himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. So what went to the cross? A man went to the cross. A man a man. And when he was on that cross, he took on every sin that you and I ever committed. That's why his, for he had no form. That's why every bone was out of joint. That's why we were astonished at looking at him, marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men, because he had on his body, on the cross, our sin, our iniquities, our perversities, our weaknesses, our sicknesses, our diseases, our poverty, Everything that kept us away from God, Jesus took. And why? Because God so loved the world. Because God so loved the world, he took everything out of you and he put it on Jesus. And you know what he did with Jesus in hell? He took out your sin on Jesus. Yeah, devil, you don't like that, do you? He took it out on Jesus. He took your punishment out on Jesus in hell. Now, let's turn to Isaiah 53 real quick and remind ourselves why Jesus was resurrected. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, made God happy to take it out on Jesus, to take it out on Jesus. He has put him to grief, made him sick. Well, now shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see it the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. The father was satisfied with Jesus' sacrifice, and he raised Jesus from the dead. Now, what came out of the grave? Let's take a look. Let's go to John 20. First verse, John 20, verse 1. And the first day of the week, this is Jesus coming out of the grave. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher, then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes laying, yet went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin, which was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in that other disciple, which came to the, first to the sepulcher, and saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own home. But Mary, Mary, stood without at the sepulcher weeping. 
And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. This is our risen Messiah. This is Jesus resurrected. And what does she see? And she saw Jesus standing and knew not it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Look at these next words. She, supposing him to be the gardener, the gardener, said unto her, Sir, I have not, if you have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. The gardener. I've worked with gardeners. They don't sparkle. They're not translucent. And they don't float six inches off the ground. And they don't have a halo. So she thought he was the gardener. Do you see what I'm saying? He looked like any other man. He looked like any other man, the resurrected Jesus. Looked like any other man. Okay, what does he say to her? Jesus said unto her, woman, uh, he said, Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go tell my brethren, look at this next statement, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father. Your Father. I ascend unto my Father and your Father. Your Father. That's what the resurrection did. And he said, and I ascend unto my God and your God. Your God. Now let's go to Matthew 28. I just want to show you something here. This is after Mary had talked to Jesus. Verse 5, chapter 28. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not you, for I know you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here. He's not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I've told you. Remember a couple weeks ago I said, Jesus said to them, After I've risen, I'll meet you in Galilee. Well, that's what the angel said. And there shall you see him, lo, I've told you. And they departed quickly out of the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. Now, this is after Mary saw the gardener. Now they see Jesus, and he says, All hail. And look what they did. And they came and held him by the feet. At first, Jesus said, don't touch me. I have to go to my father. Now they see him, and they got him by the feet. They got the man by the feet. That means when they reached for him, their hands didn't go through. All right? They could grab him by the feet. Next one. Let's let's go to Luke 24. Verse 33. I love this one. Jesus is talking to the two on the way to Emmaus, and then he showed up to Peter. 
Verse 33, and they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, that's the two from Emmaus, found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Notice the two men from Emmaus walked all that distance with Jesus and didn't think he was anything else other than another man. Other than another man. They didn't even know it was Jesus. They thought he was another man. Now, verse 36. And as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. Supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Look what he says next. Handle me. Handle me. He said, For a spirit has not flesh and bones. Do you see what Jesus said right there? Jesus said, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones, but I do. I do. I have flesh and bones. So what came out of the grave? Flesh and bones came out of the grave. It doesn't say he had any blood. That was sprinkled in heaven. But he's got flesh and bones. Flesh and bones came out of the grave. Let's see what those flesh and bones did. He said, for the spirit has not flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while ye that believed not for joy wondered, and he said unto them, have you here any meat? You got anything to eat? The resurrected Jesus Ask the disciples, you got anything to eat? You got any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in front of them. He ate it in front of them. Now, why is this important for us? Why is it important that we know, that we know by the word of God, not by what you learned in church, not by what you saw in a movie, not by what you saw at an art gallery, not what you read in a book, not what you saw in a magazine, but by the word of God only, Jesus is flesh and bones as he is resurrected. Why is that important to you? What has that got anything to do with you? Well, let's take a look. Let's go to Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Whom he did foreknow. You know, that's you and I. That's you and I. Whom he did foreknow. You are no surprise to God. You are no surprise to God. He's the one that created you. He knows every thought you think. Forgive us, Jesus. He knows everything we've done. All right? You are foreknown of God. Now, what about those foreknown? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed, to be conformed to the image of his son, that Jesus, he might be the firstborn. The firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn. 
You know what it means when there's a firstborn? There's got to be some others born. There's got to be some others born. Jesus was the firstborn. Now, granted, Jesus bore your sin, and he bore your iniquity. His sacrifice to the Father was accepted, and he became the firstborn. And you know what? We are here to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be begotten by God, to be begotten by God so that we too are children of God. Go to John 1 for me. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, who? Jesus. To them he gave power, ability to become the sons of God even to those that believe on his name, gave them the ability, the privilege to become the sons of God. That's what the crucifixion, the death, the burial, resurrection was all about. So that you could become a son, a child of God. A child of God. Have you ever considered what it means to be a child of God? You know what? Jesus was one. And that's what we're here to be conformed to. Do you want to become a child of God? It's written in that word how to become one. You know, it says in Romans 10, those say Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt receive Jesus. What happens when you receive Jesus? You have the ability to become a child of God. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. Call on the name of Jesus and thou shall be saved. God bless.